Hello, and welcome to Story Screen Presents. We are Tri-Kai 9, and this is the fourth episode of our Eniatic single-serving movie podcast. We are comparing movies made in the same year, as long as that year ends in the number nine. We're sticking with 1999, and today we have two pulp action zingers. We are going to be digging into them and really like just breaking them apart, and we're specifically going to be focusing on violence and blood. A quick note... Uh, this podcast is going on the assumption that you have watched these movies. That means we're going into the plot, characters, and everything else. If you haven't watched these movies, y'all, it has been 20 years. We're not tagging spoilers. <laughs> it's just a whole podcast. This is a spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so here to introduce our two adventures are the darlings of diegetic discussion. Ooh. I know. Thank you. Uh, Diana and Bernadette. Yay! So, Diana. Talking about them boondock saints. Whoa. Which I have not watched in a long time, and I forgot some stuff. (laughs) You forgot some stuff. Yeah, some pretty memorable stuff. Um, So, it's two brothers, Irish Catholic, South Boston, Mm -hmm. played by not very Irish Sean Patrick Flannery from, I used to watch Young Sherlock Holmes. No, Young Indiana Jones. <laughs> mm. And he was on that, Dreamy. Oh. And then Norman Reedus is the other brother, which if you watch Walking Dead, he blew up. So I don't think he made anything in between Boondock Saints and Walking Dead, but he's big now. And they both are quasi-religious. I feel like they think they're religious, mm-hmm. maybe more than they are. And after bar fight slash accidentally killing some, are they Ukrainian, Russian, thugs? Italian? Russian moms? Mob? Oh, who knows? Yeah. Who One cares? of those? Oh. Ukraine? I don't know. <laughs> Ukraine. Um, Ukraine. <laughs> they accidentally kill them and the police kind of think they're heroes. And they sort of de facto become vigilantes. They kind of decide to take it maybe too far. Maybe. <laughs> And the other awesome performance in the movie is Willem Dafoe as the FBI agent trying to track them down and mm-hmm. really doing an awesome dance routine as he recreates their <laughs> their crime scenes. Yikes. While listening to opera. Seriously. So many things. One of the yep. best and scenes. Drop, dropping an F-bomb here and there every now and then, uh, even though he is gay in the movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a lot of dialogue that I forgot about in this movie that is fairly offensive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and boob touching. Yeah. yeah. That oh I God. just blocked out until seeing it again last night. <laughs> you just like totally ignored it. I was it. like, I like, don't remember that, but that's okay. I think anyone with a boob just wants to forget that scene. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyone with a chest is just like, no, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. So, Boondock Saints is their first movie, and what... Bernadette is our second. Uh, the second one we're talking about is The Mummy, <gasps> starring Brendan Fraser. Love it. And his and hair. And Rachel Weisz. <laughs> Wait, it's not his hair? <laughs> it's his hair. Starring Brendan Fraser and, and his, his hair. hair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Granted, Rachel Weisz is also Smoking. a dreamboat. Her hair is yeah. also awesome. <laughs> yes, she has a dreamboat. But yeah, it's a story kind of told in parts. At the very beginning, you see that they give you this history of Imhotep, a priest who is having an affair with the pharaoh's mistress, and they died together because of it. 
And so you see that little backstory of him being mummified alive and him swearing that he will resurrect his lost love. And he swears that he will do that one day. And you cut to kind of like present day-ish, I suppose, for 99. It's not really set in any specific time period. No, no, no. It's set in the 30s. It? Yeah, oh, it's right. in the 30s? Yeah, it's supposed to be in the 30s, yeah. Oh, well, that's because why they talks... have all the cool clothes. Yeah, because it's talking about, like, the French the French uh, battalion that's there, the French... Um... Anyway, yeah. Gotcha. It's the 30s. Good job, Linda. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's um, a point. That's a point. We're going to talk about it. Probably, like, at the beginning, they say... They probably had some title card that I missed. Because I've only seen this movie... Well, one time. No, I don't, I don't think there was a title card. Oh, okay. So they just mention it at the yeah. beginning. No, no, no. Point. They don't mention it. Oh, okay. Yeah. So just, you just know. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. And the French Legion. Okay. Sorry. No, that's Keep okay. Going. Keep going. <laughs> it made me feel like I missed something, but maybe it's just because I'm no. unfamiliar with that time period, essentially. The history around it. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, it's a very specific, like, historical time period in Egypt, like, when the French... Um, we're still occupying it, and the French Legion was a really big deal. And, like, so having all the colonial aspects of having all that colonialism in Egypt is a very important part of that time. And it's very apparent when, like, you're watching it that they're trying to imply that this is, like, what's happening. And it's very, mm. like, heart of darkness kind of bullshit. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, then that makes Brendan Fraser's character even like weirder i think in that time period because it does not make any sense no no he doesn't <laughs> so he is kind of leading an army and then you see that this group of people are set to protect this city of dead because they do not want this mummy being resurrected mm-hmm. And through the foils of these two groups who are competing to find this lost treasure under the City of Dead, they end up resurrecting said mummy. And then the mummy goes on a quest to A, fully regenerate, (laughs) and B, fully revive his long-lost love. Right. And he uses beautiful Rachel Weisz to get there. Apparently, Apparently, an Egyptian pharaoh thinks that, like... A Jew in the 30s, like, looks like his former lover, and I'm like, are you sure about this one? I think he's just very thirsty. He's, he's been dry for so long. <laughs> he's like, woman, the only woman in this film. The only true. Woman. Kind of. Like, kind honestly, of. Yeah. yeah. True. Also, Rachel Weisz. Smoking. Smoking hot. Oh, for sure. For a, sure. A smokehouse, if you will. <laughs> yes. But, yeah, so that's the mummy in a nutshell. Yeah. Yeah. It's like fake Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. It's like not as good Tomb Raider. <laughs> totally. <laughs> what? Art. <laughs> and I mean the video game. Oh. Not not the films. Oh. I think the films are still fun times, but... Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that's a podcast for another day. <laughs> well, we'll discuss that later. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so these films are, at this point, they're cult classics, like... People really love these films, or they really hate them. Yeah, it's one of those things. Like it's it's pretty divided whether or not you like these films. I don't think there's anyone I've met who's just like, yeah, I saw that it was cool. I guess people are either like super into it or just like not like just like nah, I never want to see that shit again. Um, yeah, yeah, but we're yeah. so yeah, yeah. Thank you for agreeing with me on the <laughs> podcast that we're co-hosting, <laughs> where we agree with each other a lot. Um, so for this 
episode, like I said, we are going to be looking at the way that these two pulpy, action-y, specifically set films handle violence and blood. Um, The Mummy is obviously a satire. It has a base in the early 20th century uh, monster mash flicks, and it specifically draws inspiration from, like, a monster mash flick called The Mummy. Right. (laughs) So, but it just, like, happens to, like, set itself during the time when that film actually came out. It's a really cool way of, like, reinterpreting the past for the present. Um, And it even addresses it in the film. Again, by having it in the 30s. Um, Boondock Saints has, like, kind of murkier origins. I've heard that, like, the director has, like, some weird shit going on. I don't know. I don't read those articles. I'm gonna let the Boondock Saints stay the way it is, and I love it. Um, But it seems inspired by, like, Pulp Fiction again, the Irish Catholic immigrant experience, and the stories of uh, mob corruption in Boston courts during the 90s and the 80s. Like, Boston. 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 (laughs) Yeah, so it's it's just, like, it's got this huge mishmash, and it's one of those things, like, these movies could not take place in any other setting than where they are, mm. which I find pretty interesting, and on, also, like, in a way, pretty typical of pulp films. Like, they have to take place in a certain setting, or else it's mm-hmm. just, like, not as fun. But let's get to violence and murder and blood. <laughs> All the blood, so, ooh, so much blood. Yikes. Um, so first off, let's just go straight to the point. Like, which film did you guys enjoy more? Ooh. Just straight up. Uh, was that my stomach? Sorry. No, it was me. Oh, okay. Go away. Um, you had to point it out. Oh, I thought it was me. Because <laughs> um, I'm notorious for having a rumbly stomach. Um, I kind of, for rewatch value, prefer The Mummy. Because it's so campy. And I, I have a soft spot for young Brendan Fraser. I mean, such a doll. George of the Jungle is mm-hmm. awesome. So, and Cino Man, uh, all the all the movies. Oh my god. Um, school ties. I could keep going. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, Boondock Saints is kind of a spectacle for sure. Yeah. The, as far as like the action goes, you have to prepare yourself for yeah, it. Yeah, I feel like the uh, the Mummy is more special effects campy, and then. Boondock Saints is like, yeah, we're going to shoot the shit out of stuff. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. and it's kind of silly, but not really trying to be silly, totally. Mm-hmm. It's like, there's definitely some fist pumping by some teenage boys watching that. Oof. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was one of those teenage boys. Yeah, that's cool. That's totally cool. All right. So what you guys are going to hear right now is me clacking on my computer. And As I, I take yeah. notes. <laughs> and I can answer while you're there you go. Yeah, we're clacking. <laughs> um I will say that I'm not very fond of either of these films. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um I had seen the Boondock Saints probably back in like 2007, 2008 for the first time, and I hadn't seen it again until preparing for this podcast. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't seen The Mummy at all until last evening for this podcast. Yeah. Oh my god. It was just something that I just missed. I didn't miss it on purpose. Yeah. I just kind of fell through the cracks. And for violence sake, that's like the best part of the mummy for me. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy the bad CGI yeah. and the fight scenes. The violence is cool. It's that's fun. my favorite it's part. Fun. Yeah. All the for effects sure. are very silly but fun. Yeah. But I think uh watching the Boondock Saints again kind of felt like that meme where they say, I made a bot. Watch you know, quote unquote whatever. <laughs> yeah. For like 
46 hours and oh I made them write true. a screenplay. That's how I feel like when I'm watching Boondock Saints. Yeah. Oh God, like, you're so right. <laughs> nothing feels very earned. It all feels very hollow. Yeah. And I think I wish it was more in on the joke than what that it actually be is. better. Yeah. And sure. then I could like it better. Yeah. I think, honestly, like, Boondocks 2 does that. Like, really? it realizes how stupid it is and it leads in. I forget who is the main actress, but she comes in and she's like Willem Dafoe's replacement, and she has this really thick, like, Texas accent, and it's just bonkers. It's just bonkers! <laughs> and then it's, it's like, bonker bonkers! Um, and then there's this one scene, like, oh my god, they love getting those brothers naked. There's this one scene where it's like, their bare backs are sort of, like, showering on opposite sides of a shower, we see, like, images of these huge, like, crucifix tattoos on their back for yeah. no reason. <laughs> yeah, like, the whole opening sequence of that movie is very funny, where they're, like, they're praying. They walk up during mass and, like, touch the feet of the cross. and Right during the homily. Yeah. Which and is, then, like, unheard of. And then <laughs> peace out, and they both have weird nun tattoos oh, on their necks. And, and I'm just like, ah, oh, what are you doing? <laughs> but I love it so much. Yeah, but it is, but it is comical, for sure. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's one of the reasons why why I thought I didn't take itself too seriously, because I thought it was just, like, so over the top that it, like, had to know that it was being absurd. I hope it does. Yeah. The second time watching it, I felt like they weren't as aware. Yeah. And I was like, oh, no, this is, like, some high school boy's, like, dream gangster film that he finally got to make. Totally. But I I hope he was more aware that it was, like, hilarious and weird and not great. I so. (laughs) I certainly found it funny. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, Cool. So the next point that I want to ask is that guns are very present in both films. Um, They are either very effective, such as in Boondock Saints, where the main murder weapon is usually a gun, or they're very ineffective, like in The Mummy, where I don't think anyone dies because someone shoots them. I think maybe one person dies and it's like one of the other Americans is like looking for the treasure. But the idea is like guns are always in film, they're considered a threat, so having it is a threat, like hiding it is a threat. Just the way that guns interact on screen is very interesting. Um, and I'm wondering how how do you guys feel that guns change in between both of these films as like methods of threat? And then do you think that the stakes are higher in one film over another because of the presence of guns? I definitely think Boondock Saints is a little higher for sure. Um because of like <clears throat> I don't know if it's just it's it's like never really explained why these two brothers know how to use them so well. You know? <laughs> or their so, dad. Yeah. So I mean and then that character that is like El Duce. El and Duce. then and then you realize that's their dad, but then you're like, okay, so their dad was a hitman. But does that mean he taught his kids how to use guns? <laughs> I guess. Because they're both very good at it. And then their friend who's the Italian Rocco, package boy, whatever. He is not good at guns. So whenever Willem <laughs> Dafoe is like checking things out, he's like, one of these guys was terrible. These <laughs> other ones were very good. You know? Yeah. But like when they go in that room and they're just like playing around with all the weapons, like the giant knife is really comical because they're all like, nah. They're just like trying out all the guns. Yeah. And then like the argument of that they they want to have rope. And I just I kinda <laughs> love the way that that gets used, but yeah. but it is very silly. Yeah. But, yeah. But it's way more blood 
guts violence versus like the mummy is more special effects silly violence like mm-hmm. it's less scary in some ways i don't know i don't know if that's true but mm-hmm. it felt like that when i was watching it yeah how the do you think it's a little less scary to me <laughs> i mean i think it's supposed to be that yeah. way you know yeah mm-hmm. how do you think guns change in each film well i definitely think in boondock saints by the end of the film the guns are basically like their hands mm-hmm. like they are extensions of their actual physical bodies yeah especially in those iconic poses yeah yeah oh you can't in the boondock see. saints <laughs> we're all po- pointing our guns we're all pointing our hands and like doing the little cross or like thing. the dad has like a million strapped to him so yeah <laughs> and, oh, and the one do- doofy cop finally is correct he's like maybe it was just one guy with six guns and you're like he's actually right this time but i thought it was weird how in the mummy it seemed like the guns were only effective against the very tiny little scarab beetles that were oh, crawling around everywhere yeah which i'm not a fan of bugs no <laughs> and so to me that was worst. cool yeah <laughs> but it's like oh you have deadly accuracy when it comes to these bugs but i guess the guns were very ineffective because the mummies mm-hmm. they need to be sliced up like zombies yeah. mm. for them to actually perish yeah, yeah it, like so. create some rules mm-hmm. so, yeah, yeah. But something about interesting about what you guys are saying is that when violence is enacted against our main characters in either of the films, even though violence is often threatened with a gun, the main violence is either like, oh yeah, well Brandon Fraser's character is going to get hung by the neck. He's going to fucking die. But there's also like when the McManus brothers, there is a scene where they get tortured, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and it's not with a gun. It's like with knives and like someone just like literally using their hands to just beat them up. It's right. like the threat There's of a presence. So bloody. Yeah, it's very physical. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which definitely says something about the way that um, the filmmakers are interpreting guns as weapons and versus the way that they're interpreting like hands as weapons and the brutality of people to be weapons. Yeah. Yeah, like the whole sequence of um, the one brother trying to break free from being cuffed around the toilet is like... It's brutal. You just see how much his wrists are bleeding and you're like, no, 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 stop that. And then you're like, he's going to do it. It's kind of exciting. <laughs> and then you're like, how can he carry that? I would have fallen over by now. Oh, God, it's awful. <laughs> yeah, to go back to you talking about in The Mummy how he was being hung mm-hmm. at the beginning of the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like, especially from that moment forward, since you're seeing the, the lead so early on being told you're going to die, and then mm-hmm. clearly you know he's not going to die. Right. I feel like from that moment on, like, almost all of the violence is just like, there are no rules here. You live in a weird weird world where people don't die, and people will survive, unless, you know, they're being haunted by a cursed mummy. <laughs> and <laughs> then know. there's death everywhere. <laughs> Yeah. So let's go. So speaking of the cursed mummy, one of the things about violence is the way that people act when in when like they're faced against a threat. Mm. Um, And I've used violence as threat before. But in this case, I'm specifically talking about like corruption and the mob. And I'm also talking about the mummy itself as like, how do we enact violence against these things? Um, And I want to sort of ask you guys, like, we've pretty much said that, like, guns are more effective and, like, overall, Boondock Saints is more violent than The Mummy. But I felt like the supernatural threat in The Mummy was greater and, like, more impossible to overcome than the threat of, like, corruption in Boston 
in Boondock Saints, right? So I sort of want to ask, like, what... The supernatural threat, yeah, feels impossible, easily defended, expand, blah, 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 blah. Sorry, referencing my notes and just getting lost. So basically what I'm asking you guys is what about the two main antagonists of these two films feels more threatening and more violent? And of the villains? Yeah. Like, why... Like, for me personally, I felt like the mummy was the one that, like, felt yeah. more violent, more aggressive, and more like a force... Because it was a force of nature, more or less. Yeah, it's supernatural. And it felt like it wasn't really affecting... It wasn't discriminatory in how it affected people, whereas, like, the threat of the mob felt very pointed and targeted. Sure. So I'm wondering how you guys viewed the antagonist as violent, and how how that was, like, perpetrated throughout the film. Hmm. I feel like the, the mummy itself could have enacted more violence, mm-hmm. but it didn't seem like the rules of the movie dictated that the violence should be successful. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think it would be more convincing as a more violent creature if you would have seen more loss. Yeah. But I do think with The Mummy, every time when I was thinking, like, who is this movie for? I can't figure it out. Ah. (laughs) It seems like there wasn't a lot of death, which makes me think that they were trying to maybe appeal to To more children. That makes sense. I think, yeah. Or at least teens. I think it was, like, it was solidly PG-13, and Brendan Fraser was kind of like a... A hunk. Yes. You know, we all know. We're all agreed. Brendan Fraser <laughs> equals hunk. But I think that they were definitely trying to appeal to, like, a, a more... Yeah, it was more family-friendly. Not only mm-hmm. family-friendly, but I feel, like, female-friendly in a very interesting way. Oh, okay. mm. mm. Well, they failed. But... <laughs> Hot take. All right. Hot take. The mummy sucks. <laughs> well, failed towards, like, female-friendly, I think. Really? Mm-hmm. But, uh, so the fact that, like, the mummy didn't actually exact on-screen death Mm -hmm. or death from characters that we are, like, shown at length, Mm -hmm. that seemed a little odd. Like, clearly he was killing the ones that we were already set up to not like, for the most part. Shadow puppet. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that was a little bit distracting, whereas with the Boondock Saints, the fact that these two almost amateur-like vigilantes, they weren't amateurs. But they surely were getting their start. Right. The fact that they were able to take out all these hits in such, like, a weird, fortunistic way, which they acknowledge multiple times. Mm -hmm. Right. Made that threat also seem very lazy or just, like, not a huge threat. Yeah, defanged. Yes, definitely. Yeah. So I thought the capability of violence is probably much more intimidating in The Mummy. Mm Mm-hmm. But the fact that neither film really showed, like, the violent threat as having any success yeah, is kind of, yeah, defanging both films, mm. in, my, in my estimation. No, I think, I think that's that's also true. Yeah, because The Mummy, for sure, it's, like, it's more supernatural. Mm-hmm. There's sort of, like, this element of they have to learn how to defeat it. They have to learn languages. They have to, oh my God. you know, I'm you have, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So like there's more, um, preparation, but with, yeah, with Boondock Saints, it's like, okay, we're just going to call this hitman who's in jail to try and come after them. But yeah, it doesn't seem as much of a threat. Mm-hmm. And especially when you realize they're like 
just getting drunk and hanging out in their friend's apartment the rest of the time. Oh my god. <laughs> Which I'm just kind of like, hey, aim big, guys. Like, you're just like <laughs> drinking a lot of shitty beers right now. <laughs> Poor kid cat. Yes. <laughs> I mean, do you, do either of you think that one of these films or either of these films would have been better if the antagonist had been more violent? Like, had been more, had killed someone and had like actually like achieved a goal? Hmm. Would, would the film have been better? Would it have been, like, served if, like, the mummy had, achieved, like, killed the brother or Evie or someone? That probably would have made it a little bit more extreme. Yeah. Yeah. The doofy brother that's from Sliding Doors. No. The Scottish guy. <laughs> I, I love that guy. He's terrible in this. Or just his character is. He's not likable. So funny. He yeah. is funny. But, Clearly uh, coded as being in love with Brendan Fraser's character. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, totally. I mean, when he uses a gun, when he finally gets a gun and the way he Such shoots that gun. Oh, is, God. It's like, this is kind of a bummer that this is the the search for humor in this scene. Yeah. They're using him in such a sad way. Yeah, no. totally. He's the Rocco of, yes. of the mummy. He's yeah. the Rocco of the but, mummy. But I definitely liked him better than Rocco. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I, or, think- I liked Rocco better before he decided to team up vigilante style. Like, he's a nicer character when he's sort of just like scared scared and putts yeah wasn't he the guy who who did the boob grab yeah yes okay (laughs) never mind yeah (laughs) oh my god yeah it's him and like him deciding who who should die all right (laughs) i'm like what okay doesn't sound italian (laughs) blurk yeah so another question i have here um, which sort of plays into the, the question that we've been asking is a lot of the times in these films that are centered on violence and centered around like the threat of violence and like death, we as viewers are expected to enjoy the violence. Ah. You know, we're expected to enjoy the spectacle, we're expected to enjoy the blood splattered everywhere and like the weird gunfights and like the weird supernatural like bullshit and the and like the bodies being torn apart there's something about like the horror of a dead body that we're supposed to like enjoy seeing and watching on screen because we know it's not real like mm. we know that's not actually a dead body we know that's not actually blood but just the fact that we are being asked to like enjoy the violence just sit back just like chill out and have a good time so I'm sort of wondering, um, did you enjoy the violence? What about it did you like? Like, did you actually, like, feel, like, I will admit, I fucking love the gun dance when <laughs> Defoe's, like, recreating the gun scene and it's just, like, going around and, like, his arms are waving and the that's opera's playing. That's very fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's very fun. And I think that that's, like, a direct, like, that's where I'm sort of saying Boondock Saints is self-aware because it's saying, like, you are supposed to enjoy the violence. Willem Dafoe is enjoying it, obviously. Like, you, the viewer, are supposed to enjoy it as well. So I'm wondering if there's any other points where you can say, like, yes, I totally enjoyed this violence. Or there was a part where it felt, like, very cathartic to watch. I feel like the spectacle of the mummy is very fun to watch. Yeah. yeah. So, mm-hmm. like, the effects of uh, just, like, it's sort of, like kind of like an Indiana Jones movie where there's like a chase aspect and there's like treasure and a goal and then it's punctuated by either army of goons chasing them or beetles or like just like scary stuff that's kind of gross so in that way I like that um I kind of liked when the brothers dropped from the ceiling yeah we're tied together but I didn't necessarily 
love seeing like everyone actually getting shot Mm -hmm. you know like i don't need to see point blank like someone walk up to someone on a couch still alive and shoot them again i'm just like yeah it's okay (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but yeah i think uh with the mummy of course you're supposed to like that because that's the best part of the movie yeah the The action is totally it yeah and especially like understanding what this actual curse was and how it's bringing upon the plagues yeah. of Egypt. All of that stuff is a lot of fun to watch. And seeing people die in a way that isn't from human violence is also kind of fun. Yeah. Like, you know, it's very unrealistic. But I will say with uh, Boondock Saints, yeah, I just, I typically don't like shoot 'em up movies. Yeah. It's never my type of movie. Gotcha. And I think the Willem Dafoe scenes are my favorite. Definitely. Because I don't know if he's necessarily loving the violence. I see it more as a way of him knowing that the system is broken, mm-hmm. seeing justice being taken out. And he right. likes the dance of justice. Not necessarily the fact that it's gun violence, but he just understands how guns work. Mm-hmm. And so he can understand how these kills went down. Yeah. But, yeah, the Willem Dafoe stuff is the best part, but it's because he doesn't actually have guns in his hands. That's true. Which I really like. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. He doesn't like guns. Mm -hmm. The whole film, he never never uses one. Even when he dresses up as a woman and, like, sneaks in, it's in his purse. Yes. And even then, like... And he's, like, too far. Too far. When he finally shoots the one guy. He shot, like, two people in the house. Yeah. 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 I mean, do you think that, like, Willem Dafoe's character is a good foil for the Connor brothers? Or the McMurphy brothers? Like, because he's one that's, like, so, not against violence, but definitely, like, not super willing to engage in it, and that's not his communication style. Like, he doesn't think that's how things get done, but the, but the McMurphy, McMurphy? McManus? McManus. Connor and Murphy McManus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we should have introduced those characters. Uh, but the McManus brothers definitely feel like violence is the only option. Yeah. Yeah, they do. Well, they actually have to do the physical killing mm-hmm. to get the job done. I think Willem Dafoe likes it that he's found two people who are outside of the system. Right. And that he doesn't have to take the actual weight of the guilt from carrying it on. Mm-hmm. But he wants to be able to assist from the side. He's a, yeah, I think he is violence. a good foil, for sure. Like, yeah. the when they first all meet and they're just, like, speaking in all those different languages. And they're like... How, how come he knows what what we did? Like, oh, he's just that good. You know, and he is that good. He's figuring it all out. Mm-hmm. But then, yeah, that sequence of him being in the confessional in the church and being like, maybe they're the answer and blah, blah. And you're sort of like, whoa, dude. <laughs> <laughs> you also shouldn't be saying that, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so we mentioned briefly the... Uh, a really awkward titty moment oh, yeah. in Boondock Saints. Um, for those of you that don't know, um, there was a scene where they're at a strip club and people have gotten shot up and hurt and like there's an unconscious stripper who is mostly naked. Yeah, who fainted. Who fainted. She's yeah. not dead. Not dead. Um, would it have been better if she was dead? Who no. knows? <laughs> would it have been worse? Maybe not. It's just bad either way. So basically the stripper's unconscious and Rocco, one of the side characters, like, goes over and, like, gropes her breast for, like, at least 30 seconds. And it is uncomfortable for everybody. And then in The Mummy, um, there's a couple scenes where... There's one specific scene where Evie um, gets 
kissed by Brendan Fraser's character basically without her consent. Yeah. He just sort of grabs her and kisses her, and she reacts like, why did you do that? How dare you? I think she, she slaps him. She tries to hit him. He's behind bars. I don't remember if she actually hits him. I think him. she pulls away, but I'm not sure if she hits him. Yeah, but obviously, like, not... Not wanted. So there, in both films, there is, like, an aspect of sexual violence and, like, violence against women in very specific ways. I'm wondering if there's, like, if one is, like, less gruesome or if one is, like, less objectionable. Like, is there one where it's just, like, you can sort of forgive it for being a part of the film and, like, the nature of the film. And there's another one where it's just, like, this was dumb. Why did you do that? Or are they both just, like, this was terrible. Why did you do it? Well, I think, like, for societal norms, the the kiss without being asked is more of a traditional, like, old-school Hollywood action-y adventure kind of thing where it's like, you kiss the dame, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, and then later she falls for him, even if she didn't initially. Mm-hmm. Not saying that that's okay. But just, like, for a viewpoint of watching, that's easier to take than watching somebody... <laughs> molest someone who's unconscious it was bad Mm -hmm. plus like there's just like okay (laughs) the fact that the the boondock saints one time went into thinking about that scene someone wrote that scene yeah someone staged that scene and shot it and the fact that all of that got to the page just for like a silly laugh of like oh well tipper funny and it's not funny it's not no The whole process leading up to that being in the film is disturbing. Well, it's a very different... That just, like, shows you now. That that shit would never happen No. So things have changed, and it's kind of like the idea of someone who enjoys really um, sensationalized violence is supposed to be really masculine Mm -hmm. and really, like, you know... Women are objects. Women are objects, like, you know, um, even... Willem Dafoe's character is supposed to be gay. Like, he keeps making all these, like, comments like, oh, you're being, you know, don't be such a faggot or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. he's, like, a macho gay. And then you're sort of like, but not really. Not really, dude. So buddy are you? why do you have to say those things? <laughs> right. Yeah, there's a really interesting critique of masculinity in both of these films. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm just, like, so firmly in the camp that both of these films knew exactly what they were doing. I really am. Like, yeah. I know that other people... Other people. Yeah. Like the person sitting next to me. Um, other people, <laughs> isn't so sure. Yeah, isn't so sure. But, like, I just, I really think that, like, these films, like, knew exactly what they were doing. Look, exactly do they mean what... to be satire? That's the thing. Like, I... they might know that they're, like, presenting, like, these masculine norms. But did the director of Boondock Saints, like, be like, yeah, that's actually how I feel? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, honestly, like, I personally believe... I feel like this guy is a douche bro. Douche bro. For those of you who can't see, um, (laughs) Bernadette just pulled up Troy Duffy's photo on her phone. Um, Yeah, he does look like a douche. I don't know. He hasn't really made too much else. Oh, God. All right. (laughs) We have to move on. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I'll I'll talk about uh, why I didn't really like the mummy kiss either, is that if the kiss would have happened, she would have recoiled, and that was the end of that. I think, okay. But the fact that she is dwelling on it, kind of like twirling around while she's like wearing a nightgown. Yeah, that's weird. It was like, oh, well, there's something about it that she liked. Yeah. And then when she asks... Brendan Fraser. When she asks him later, why did you kiss me? 
And he says, well, I thought I was going to die. It seemed like a good thing to do at the time. And then she gets upset. Like, what kind of answer did she want that would have made it okay? Like, oh, because I'm beautiful? I was like, what are they doing with her character right now? And why is that the reason that she's upset and not just the fact that he doesn't apologize? Or yeah. It, it seems very strange She to wants me. to be liked. She's, yeah. She's craving approval. We don't need that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, there, I think there are parts of it where it's just like, anything that's not a deliberate critique of masculinity kind of fails. Mm. Um, I will definitely, like, absolutely agree. It's just like, ooh, men. This is <laughs> this is men, men writing. <laughs> men. Men. <laughs> this is men. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think that, like... Um, Sorry. It's oh, my, you're good. My little computer. Um, yeah, so I think that that's really, like, all the topics I had about violence and threats and guns and blood. Um, we've sort of already established which movies we like more. Yeah, does anyone have any, like, closing thoughts about violence and, like, the way that things were enacted in these films? Since I didn't see The Mummy when I was a child, and I know that a very large generation of men that we live with now saw that movie when yeah. they were children. And they go on to make sequels. Mm-hmm. Several. They do. They make a bunch. With make- a ton of sequels, making a ton of money and a ton of bad sexual effects. But Dwayne The Rock Johnson got his start as the Scorpion King in The Mummy 3. That's true. So, <laughs> you know? But I found it concerning <laughs> watching this movie and seeing so much othering. And how the other was not to be trusted. Yeah. And the other was dumb or violent or the villain. And that was really unsettling to me that we grew up in that culture where that was such the norm. Yeah, it's Mm -hmm. it's definitely. And it's weird because the Boondock Saints, I don't have a lot of praise for that film. But one of the things that's interesting is that they don't really other anyone. I guess except for homosexuals. There's a little bit of like some pretty negative banter. But it seems like... All of it's the mostly mob families like, are treated with the same level of disrespect. Yeah, and it's, it's kind focusing. of like if you're from that area in Boston, you're all in it together. Right. Because it's all like those those interviews with all the people, even though mm-hmm. they're disagreeing, they're all people from Boston being Boston. like, I think it's great. No, don't think that. You know, yeah. like, but it's just like, it's kind of fun to watch those interactions. So Yeah. I think mm-hmm. with regards to like the violence that Willem Dafoe's character has against like the person that he's partnered with. Yeah. That was super common in the 90s, especially because it was sort of on the tail end of the HIV epidemic where Mm -hmm. um, gay people and specifically gay men were very ostracized and very scared to, like, be gay and be out like that. Yeah. Um, Especially big metropolitan cities. So that, while I totally understand how off-putting that is and how unfair that is to, like, the modern gay person and the modern, like, gay man... Uh, at that time, that was, like, a very a very real, like, issue. Yeah. That was, a th- like, the self-hatred and, like, the way that they saw each other. Stuff like that was, like, very par for the course, you know? Sure, sure. I was yeah. just saying that it's interesting that to look at the mummy and see so much othering. Yeah. And then to look at a movie like Boondock Saints and kind of see the inverse of that. Yeah. That's, like, the most yeah. interesting thing about comparing these two. Yeah. Right. And I definitely like the um, 
the stereotype of like the Italians being pretty much super fucking racist. <laughs> so like dropping dropping the N word or the joke about like the Mexicans and the blacks and then like that being what makes the the mob boss laugh. <laughs> it's just like you're sort of like, oh God, okay, we need to we need to come a long way now. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, it's it's not good. No. But it's also, like, yeah, the Italians were hella racist. Like, just straight up, like, anti-everyone but Italians. And just, like, mm, yeah, buddy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Buddy. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting. All right. So I think that's it. Threats, violence, blood. We got it all. <laughs> Sexual assault. Uh, guns. Yeah. Uh, casual grazing? <laughs> casual, casual grazing. One thing I will admire the mummy for is that um, when Evie's very drunk and, like, is coming on to Brendan Fraser's character, oh. he's very deliberately like, oh, no, sweetie. <laughs> oh, no. No, thank you. Oh, he was gonna kiss her. No, he wasn't. Yes, he was. Was he? He's leaning into that kiss. <laughs> All right, we're done. We're <laughs> The podcast is over. Um, this was Tri-Kai 9. I'm Linda Kadega. I'm Bernadette Gorman-White. I'm Diana DeMiro. We're from Story Screen Presents, and we hope to see you back next month. Bye. Bye. I may not be an explorer, or or an adventurer, or a treasure seeker, or a gunfighter, Mr. O'Connell, but I am proud of what I am. And what is that? I am a librarian. <laughs> <laughs>